0: Hello friends, Tom here. I want to welcome you from wherever you are tuning in. Uh, This is an exciting time for us because we're starting a new series today entitled Teach Us to Fast. Now if you've been journeying with us, you know that we just came out of a series entitled Teach Us to Pray. We've been exploring the Lord's Prayer and really crying out to God, Lord, teach us how to pray. And we've been going through the Lord's Prayer which is a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, His incredible teaching on prayer. And now we're going straight into this series, Teach Us to Fast, you guessed it, learning uh, how to fast and going to Jesus as our teacher. Not me, not anybody else, but Jesus, God in the flesh, our teacher, our Lord, our Savior. Now, um, in the passage that we're gonna be into today, it's a portion of, like I said, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's It's the greatest sermon that's ever been preached by God in the flesh, And throughout this this sermon that Jesus preaches, he identifies three spiritual disciplines, and only three. Now, there is a plethora of spiritual disciplines that we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, as as children of God, there are are more than three spiritual disciplines that we can engage in, but Jesus here touches on three. He touches on, on praying, which we went through this last series. He touches on fasting which we're going to go into when he touches on giving. We've we've done a series on giving before. But listen, the reason why Jesus only touches on those three, excuse me, the reason why Jesus only touches on those three is because these three spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, and giving, they are essential to the life of a Christian. Okay, now, what I'm not saying here is that other spiritual disciplines aren't important or not valuable. They are, they certainly are. What I am saying is that Jesus specifically highlights these three for a reason, okay? And fasting, I would argue, is probably the least understood, the the, the least valued, and probably even the least practiced of those three that Jesus highlights. Now, yet, fasting, even though, like I said, it's the least understood, least valued, least practiced, yet according to Jesus, it is essential, Now, when paired with prayer, fasting, I would argue, just might be the most powerful and beneficial spiritual discipline that there is, friends. It's important for us to not just understand this, but to practice it, okay? So before we jump in today, what I want to do is I want you to just take a moment, and I want you to consider your appetite, okay? You're just like me. We all, we get hungry. We have an appetite. I want you to consider yours for just a moment. Listen, for fasting to make sense, for us to to really wrap our minds around it, we have to understand something really important. Okay, so listen in. I want you to hear me say this. We have to understand that you and I, we, are more than physical beings with a body we're also spiritual beings with a spirit, okay? And both, our, our, our physical being and our spiritual being, both of them have an appetite, okay? And what we consume, in the same way we consume food, and it, and it has a direct result on the, the, the physical health of our physical bodies, what we consume spiritually, it affects our spiritual health, as well. We are more than physical beings with a body. We are also spiritual beings with a spirit, okay? So for fasting to make sense, we have to acknowledge this reality that we are spiritual beings, okay? So i want to jump in here. Go ahead. If you, have a gra- if you have a Bible nearby, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. You can go ahead and flip there. I'm going to take a moment before I jump into the Word of God. I'm just going to pray. So wherever you're joining, I'd love it if you prayed along with me. Uh, Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to explore more of the depths of who you are and and what you invite us into as your children. Um, And our desire is a simple one. Right now, our desire, Holy Spirit, is that you would teach us to fast. You would teach us not just what this is, but, but why it's important, why Jesus says it's an essential element of the life of a disciple. Would you teach us, God? Would you help us? Would you help me now? I really want to honor and bless those tuning in, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, my family. Be with us now, please. Help us. In your beautiful and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so like I mentioned before, the portion we're gonna go, portion of scripture we're gonna go into right now is found. It's a portion of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And just prior to the verses we're gonna jump into, Jesus finishes his. His epic teaching on prayer known as the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or your name be honored as holy. You guys, you guys, you guys know the Lord's Prayer, I'm, sh- I'm sure. But he comes right out of that teaching on the Lord's Prayer and he goes directly into teaching on fasting. Straight into it because fasting is always connected to prayer. Okay, they, they, they go hand in hand. So right out of the Lord's Prayer and straight into this. Let's pick up Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 16, Jesus says this, "'Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, "'for they disfigure their faces "'so that their fasting is obvious to people. "'Truly I tell you, they have their reward. "'But when you fast, put oil on your head "'and wash your face so that your fasting "'isn't obvious to others, "'but to your Father who is in secret.'" And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? Jesus says here, right out of the gate, He says, whenever you fast. And He says it again in verse 17, but when you fast. Jesus is referring, He's inferring rather, something right off the bat here. He is inferring that fasting is a regular occurrence in the life of a follower of Jesus. Okay, so this would be like the equivalent of of like a basketball coach. Saying to one of the players, whenever you shoot, shoot like this. Okay, fasting. It's this regular occurrence in the life of a follower of Jesus. Tony Evans, he's a pastor from Dallas, Texas. Just a gift to the body of Christ. I think he's an Ephesians 4 teacher. He says this on fasting. Quote, Fasting is not just an aside to the Christian life, but essential to the life that pleases God. Friends, Fasting is a regular occurrence in the life of the follower of Jesus. It's important. Okay? So, let's talk about what fasting even is. What is biblical fasting? Okay, let's define it. Listen, I'm going to throw a bunch of quotes at you today, okay? I did a bunch of study around this. Uh, I think it's important. I'm going to throw some quotes at you. And those, some of you guys will recognize the names that I'm about to quote throughout this message. For those of you that recognize the names of the people I'm going to quote you will know that they're from all over the theological spectrum, okay? Which shows just how fundamental fasting is to the Christian life, okay? So what is fasting? Let's define it. Elmer Towns, guy's written tons on fasting. He says this, quote, fasting is a non-required discipline. That means you don't have to do it, okay? It's a non-required discipline where you alter your diet for a specific for a spiritual reason and accompany the experience with prayer. Okay? Another one for you. Yentzen Franklin says this, quote, fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting brings one into a deeper, more intimate and powerful relationship with the Lord. John Piper on fasting says this, quote, fasting is not a no to the goodness of food or the generosity of God in providing it. Rather, It is a way of saying from time to time that having more of the giver surpasses having the gift. Food is good, but God is better. Normally we meet God in his good gifts and turn every enjoyment into worship with thanksgiving. But from time to time we need to test ourselves to see if we have begun to love his gifts in place of God. Fasting is a hunger for all the fullness of God aroused by the aroma of Jesus's love and by the taste of God's goodness in the gospel of Christ. I love that. Listen, biblical fasting is not merely going without food. It's not. That's called dieting at best, okay, or starvation at worst, Biblical fasting is not merely going without food. So here's going to be our, our working definition throughout the entirety of this series on what fasting is. Okay, How are we going to define fasting, not just through this series, but as a church moving forward, okay? Biblical fasting is foregoing food to feast on God. I'm going to say it again. Biblical fasting is foregoing food to feast on God. The idea is to devote the time we would ordinarily spend thinking about food, preparing food, eating food to engaging with God in prayer. Tony Evans again with an epic quote. He says this quote, "Fasting calls us to renounce the natural in order to invoke the supernatural." Remember, we're more than physical bodies, we're spiritual beings as well. Fasting calls us to renounce the the natural order in order to invoke the the supernatural. When you fast, you say no to yourself so you can hear yes from God in a time of need or crisis. What do we do so often? He says, we feed the body, even overstuff it while starving the soul. But when we fast, we give the soul a higher priority than the body. We are asking God to feed our souls friends biblical fasting is foregoing food to feast on god now <clears throat> uh, let's talk about the rewards of fasting i get excited about this jesus he makes a very strong statement in verse 18 i don't know if you caught it he says if you essentially i'm paraphrasing he, he basically says if you fast with the right motive he says your heavenly father will reward you okay Whenever God makes a statement like that, like a promise, let your ears perk up, okay? God always follows through on his word. And Jesus says here, if you fast with the right motive, your heavenly Father will reward you. So let's talk about what those rewards are. In Isaiah chapter 58 verse 4, it says this about this idea of fasting. It says, you fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist you cannot fast as you do today, hoping, listen to this, hoping to make your voice heard on high, okay? If you ever want to do a more, more investigating into, into fasting, Isaiah 58 is a great place to start, but either way, according to this verse, verse 4 here, the purpose of fasting is to make your voice heard on high. So, the first reward of fasting that I want to cover here is fasting gets God's attention, okay? It gets his attention. Because listen, when you fast, when you forego food to feast on God, when you fast, what you're saying basically is, God, I want you more than I want food. God, I hunger for you more than I hunger for food. I need you more than I need food. And that gets God's attention, Tony Evans again, quote, When we fast with the proper motivation, our voice is heard in heaven. That is, we come into God's presence in a powerful way, he says. I want you to keep something in mind. Fasting, it doesn't earn anything. Okay? Listen to me. Christianity is opposed to earning. It's based on grace, which is unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Okay? Christianity is opposed to earning, but it is not opposed to effort. Okay, what we do, we have choice. It matters, okay? Fasting doesn't earn anything, but what it is, is it's an act of faith. It's a demonstration of faith, a manifestation of faith. What is faith? Trusting in God. Placing your trust in Him, that's what faith is, okay? Fasting doesn't earn anything. It's an act of faith, of trusting in God, of looking to God, of of needing Him, of wanting Him more than we even want food, more than we even need food. The Bible says man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's this idea of needing Him more than we need food. Okay? And listen, Jesus is super clear here in his teaching in Matthew chapter six. He says, do not fast with a religious spirit, with with an earning spirit. That is, don't fast to impress God or to impress other people. God's much more concerned with our motive, with what's going on in here, with our heart. So hear me say this, friends. Fasting will be of little reward to you if your motive is not pure, okay? That's the first reward we see of fasting. Fasting gets God's attention. The next thing, the next reward, fasting brings clarity. Have you ever, um, have you ever jumped into your car? Maybe it's like a, a winter day or a winter night. Have you ever jumped in your car, it's cold, you turn it on and your windshield is foggy. It's all fogged up, <clears throat> you can't see through it. When that happens, what do you do? You push this little convenient button on your dash called the defroster, right? You push the defroster and then eventually your your, your windshield, the fog kind of gets cleared up and you can see through the windshield again. You turn on the defroster, it clears up the windshield so you can see. Listen to me, friends. The things of this world... Our sin, the sins of others, our brokenness, the brokenness of others, the turmoil, the things of this fallen world, they have a tendency to fog up the windshield, or fog up our windshields spiritually. And what happens? Things get blurry and it's harder to see clearly. You see, fasting... It's a lot like pushing that defroster button. It clears things up, spiritually speaking. And your spirit starts to become more sensitive of the things of God. Okay, the second reward again, fasting brings clarity. The next reward of fasting, fasting accelerates receiving. Okay, some of you watching this, you hear me say that and you're cringing. Uh, Let me explain, okay? Fasting accelerates receiving. Appropriately enough, fasting is called fasting and not slowing, okay? Fasting accelerates receiving the things that God has already given you, okay? Look at Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, he's highlighting this idea that Jesus' has life in our place and death in our place has resulted in something. It's been given to us as a free gift. We've been not just forgiven of our sin by Jesus' atoning work on the cross, His blood. He's the sacrificial lamb in our, in our place to pay the debt of our sin. Yes, it's amazing. We're forgiven. He pays our debt. But it's more than that. We get credited with Jesus's perfect record. We get get clothed in the righteousness, the rightness of Jesus. That's what it means to be justified. And as a result of not just Jesus's death, but his perfect life that's credited to us, we're now reconciled to God. Paul talks about it here. He says, we've been justified by faith. And then because of that reconciliation with God, we have peace with God now. Let's keep reading. Verse two in Romans chapter five. We have also obtained access through him by faith and trust into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, he says, because, listen to this, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, listen to me, friends. God has given things to his children, every single one of them. Peace with God. We just read it. Peace with God. Access to him. Grace, hope, and most importantly, himself. Friends, it's the the beautiful truth. It's the beautiful news of the gospel the good news that because of what Jesus has done, we can now be reconciled to God. He gives us himself and he gives us hope and he gives us grace. Access to the most important, beautiful, glorious being that there ever was or ever will be, our creator, God Almighty. It's the beautiful truth of the gospel. Listen, have you ever found yourself in a place where you acknowledge you acknowledge that the gospel is true. You acknowledge that it's real. Like you'd say, "Yes, that's true. Yes, that's real." But you don't feel it. Like maybe you feel it for other people. Like oh, I just I fully am convinced and feel God's love for them. But for me, yeah, I know it's true, but I don't feel it. Like it's it's hard for you to receive personally. If you ever found yourself in that space, listen to me. Fasting accelerates receiving the things that God's already given you. So just to kind of review here, okay? We've touched on three rewards of fasting this far. Three spiritual rewards of fasting. Fasting gets God's attention, fasting brings clarity, and fasting accelerates receiving, okay? These are amazing spiritual rewards. But listen, there are also plenty of physical rewards that are worth talking about and worth noting. Okay, we said we're not just physical beings with the body, but we're spiritual beings with the spirit. These spiritual rewards are, they're profound. Okay, but in addition to that, there's also some physical rewards that we should talk about. Okay, some health benefits of fasting. I'm going to touch on these really quickly. Now listen, typically when I do an extended fast, and by extended fast, I mean more than three days. Typically when I do an extended fast, I'll usually around day two, I'll get some pretty gnarly headaches. And that's, that's fairly common for most people who fast. Headaches the first day or two, right? What's happening there is that when we fast, the body goes into kind of like um, autopilot mode where it starts to cleanse itself of toxins, okay? Fasting, what it does, think about it, you're not taking in food, right? So, Fasting it gives your digestive system a break. In the process, it starts cleaning itself out. Headaches when you get headaches when you're fasting, it's the result of the chemicals and the impurities and the poisons that the body is now burning for energy. And the result is a headache. And in every single time it goes away in about, like I said, two maybe three days. After that, you just things just clear up from a from a from a from a physiological standpoint. Your body's cleansing itself of toxins. So listen, if you ever fast or you're going to try fasting, if you get a headache while you're fasting, man, it's a sign that you needed to fast. One study on fasting says this, quote, tests have proven that the average American consumes and assimilates four pounds of chemical preservatives, coloring, stabilizers, flavorings, and other additives each year. These build up in our bodies and cause illness and disease. Periodic fasts are necessary to flush out the poisons. Fasting gives your body time to heal itself. It relieves nervousness and tension and gives your digestive digestive system a rest. Fasting lowers your blood pressure and can lower your cholesterol. Another quote from from a doctor, Dr. Don Colbert, says this in his book Toxic Relief, quote, Fasting does not only prevent sickness. I'm sorry, fasting does not only prevent sickness. If done correctly, fasting holds amazing healing benefits to those of us who suffer illness and disease. From colds and flu to heart disease, fasting is a mighty key to healing the body. Now, also, it's kind of worth noting here it is scientifically proven. That fasting, it sharpens your mental process and it aids and improves your sight, your hearing, your taste, your touch, your smell, and all sensory faculties. So, in addition to, all, to the many spiritual rewards of fasting, there are health benefits as well. Now listen, I just want to add this. That's important. There are some of you for whom fasting would not be healthy. I think of some of you nursing moms, not the season in life for you to fast, young children. Some of you might have some serious health issues. Fasting would mean you need to definitely consult with your doctor if you're gonna engage in any form of fasting, okay? But for the vast majority of healthy adults, fasting can be massively beneficial from a physical perspective, okay? Listen, for the rest of my time, I wanna do this. I wanna just touch quickly on the three types of fasting that we see in the Bible. I wanna give you some practical, kinda pragmatic tips on fasting. And then I wanna share with you where we as a church are heading in regards to fasting. So, let's talk quickly about the three types of fasting that we see in the Bible. The first type of fasting we see in the Bible is what's called absolute fasting, okay? And what this is is when you take in nothing, okay? No food, no water, nothing. This is the most extreme form of fasting, obviously. Um, I've never done this type of fasting. You need to know that. Depending on your health, absolute fasting should only be attempted with like medical consultation. That means talking to your doctor and, having, and being supervised in this. It gets, it's fairly extreme, okay? There are examples, several examples of, of this type of fasting, of absolute fasting in the Bible. You have Esther, who engaged in this type of fasting with, with uh, I believe, the entire nation of Israel for three days. You have Paul, who engaged in this type of fasting for three days. You also have Moses, who engaged in an absolute fast for 40 days, took in nothing. Supernatural, miraculous fast okay? No food, no water for 40 days. Like I said, I've never done this. Uh, it's, it's fairly extreme, uh, but I also, we see plenty of examples in the scriptures. Now, the second, and probably the most traditional, maybe not traditional, the most common form of fasting is what is otherwise known as normal fasting, okay? And what normal fasting is, is where you go without food of any kind, okay? Normal fasting, you drink plenty of liquids, especially water, um, sometimes myself, other people that fast will use things like broth just to kind of give your body a little bit of nutrients, maybe some juice, not like huge sugary juices. Those will, those will mess you up. Um, but maybe some coffee, some tea, just, you know, liquids. A ton of water, no solid food, no food whatsoever. That's, that's normal fasting, okay? We see examples of this in the scriptures. King Jehoshaphat, epic story we'll get into later in this series. Jesus, his, his 40-day fast in the wilderness was, this, was a normal fast no food but, but water, and others. This is typically the fast that I will, I will do. Um, I've done this several times. I do this fairly often. The, uh, the longest and most, um, most beneficial fast I've ever done was 10 days with only water. And uh, the, our reason for entering the fast, me and my wife, was we knew that God was calling us to plant another church We had spent a season in San Diego planting two churches down there with amazing people. And we knew that God was stirring in our hearts uh, to plant again, which would later become Resort to Mecca. And it was in that season that we just, we needed clarity. We needed direction. We needed guidance. We needed faith. We needed a lot from God to step into what we felt like he was calling us to. So we engaged in a 10-day fast. And it was remarkable. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard more God clearly or heard God cl- uh, yeah, more clearly and more powerfully than I did throughout that 10 days. It was remarkable, okay? But that's this idea of a normal fast. So going without food of any kind and drinking plenty and plenty of water. Uh, the third and final uh, type of fasting that we see in the scriptures is what's known as partial fasting, okay? This is when you, this is when you give up a particular, uh, give up, giving up particular foods or particular drinks um, this is what you kind of most commonly refer to as the Daniel fast. You read this in the book of Daniel. Okay, so absolute fast, normal fast, and partial fasting. Those are the three types. Now, I want to give you some tips. Uh, these are not just things that I put into practice, but I've I've gotten this through I don't know like probably half a dozen resources on fasting that I really trust in the church and then outside resources as well. Now, here are some tips for you. Okay in regards to fasting. The first tip is this and it's important. Make a plan, okay? Don't just wing it. Like you need to plan accordingly. What type of fast are you gonna do? An absolute fast, a normal fast, a partial fast? For how long? How long are you gonna go? Is it gonna be 24 hours or three days or a week or two weeks or a month? What are you gonna do, 40 days? What are you gonna do, how long? What's your start date gonna be, and what's your end date gonna be? It's important that you set those, okay? Are you gonna be doing this fast alone by yourself, just you and the Lord, or are you gonna be doing this with others corporately? We see examples of both. Both are biblical, both are beneficial, both are wonderful, okay? Alone with others. Listen, as part of your plan, it is absolutely vital that you have an agenda, okay? that you have an agenda and you write it down. Remember, fasting, it gets God's attention in a really unique and really powerful way, okay? So know what you're going to Him for before you even start. Write it down. It's important, okay? Because, listen, fasting is foregoing food to feast on God. It's engaging with Him in deep, profound ways. Your prayers while you're fasting, are connected, right? Your prayers... They're going to center on that agenda. Why you're even fasting in the first place. Okay? Fasting is not just foregoing food. It's not. That's dieting or starvation, like I said. Fasting is foregoing food to feast on God. So have an agenda. The, uh, the next thing here, the next tip for fasting is ease into it. Like, don't just start with like a 40-day absolute fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just like Moses and do this. Okay, that's kinda, kinda, to be honest, that can be dangerous. Okay, don't start with a 40-day absolute fast. Here's what I would say, ease into it. I highly recommend that if fasting isn't something that's a regular practice of yours, maybe you're just starting out, maybe you've done it in the past or it's been a while, I highly recommend that you start with a 24-hour normal fast, right? So that would be liquids only. Highly recommend that. I also highly recommend that you structure it in such a way, if it's gonna be a 24-hour fast, from start at sundown, and end at sundown. So, so what that would look like practically is kinda on the day, on one day. Let's say it's a Monday. Monday, you'd wake up and you'd have breakfast if you want to, or lunch if you want to, and then you begin your fast at sundown, and you wouldn't eat dinner. You go to bed. You wake up. You don't have breakfast. You're still fasting. You don't have lunch. You're still fasting, and then you would break the fast for dinner the following, the following day. Does this makes sense. Sun up, or I'm sorry, sundown to sundown, 24 hours. I highly recommend that a great place to start. Now the next tip, pray as much as you possibly can, okay? Prayer and fasting go together. They're connected, okay? What does this look like? Pray during the normal meal times, The, the normal times where you would sit down to eat or you would, you would normally prepare or whatever, replace that with prayer, okay? Whenever you feel hungry, you know, the hunger pains start to come, let that trigger prayer. Engage with God as much as possible during your fast. Remember, biblical fasting is foregoing food to feast on God, okay? The next tip for you, drink plenty of water, okay? Obviously, if you're engaging in an absolute fast, you're not even having water, but a normal fast or or a partial fast, drink plenty of water, okay? A lot of water. Because remember, you're flushing out your system. You're getting rid of the toxins. This usually takes days, okay? You're ridding your body of toxins. Drink plenty of water. One more tip with this, with this water piece. I highly recommend that you don't drink tap water, okay? Depending on where you're at, the tap water is probably plenty. Or probably safe and fine to drink, but oftentimes there's a lot of stuff in the tap water. So I highly recommend doing like purified water, even distilled water. It's really, really helpful. Again, you're, Again, you're flushing out your body, right? The cleaner the water, the better. The next tip for you, for those of you uh, with health concerns, maybe foregoing food is not something that you should be doing in this season. You know, you're a nursing mom or you're, it's, it's, it's a health risk or something like that. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to try a variation of fasting. Okay, it's sort of like, it's. So if you've ever um, worked out and you have maybe a personal trainer and you have an injury or something and you can't do the specific exercise that they're having you to do, they they, they give you what's called a variation. So it's not the same exercise, it's a variation of that exercise that takes into consideration an injury or an ailment or something like that. So for example, if they give you, hey do 10 push-ups and you're like, I can't do 10 push-ups, I have an injury or whatever. Okay well try it on your knees, try doing push-ups on your knees. or or, or try doing push-ups against the wall. It's a variation of the push-up exercise based on making it personalized for you, okay? A variation of fasting is called replacing, okay? Is replacing, this is where you replace something that you would normally consume other than food or drink with prayer. You're replacing something you would normally consume other than food and drink with prayer okay the most common way the most common uh, kind of practice of replacing that we see is like i'm going to replace consuming media with prayer okay i'm going i'm going to replace my screen time with prayer i'm consuming that right so one of the things when you if you find yourself in this space and you're trying to identify a variation of fasting where you can replace consuming something with prayer i highly recommend going to god go to him to seek direction this one. It's important, okay? Because hear me say this. He will highlight something. He will highlight something for you to replace. If fasting isn't an option for you, try replacing, okay? Listen, I'm going to wrap things up with this. I'm going to wrap things up. Where are we headed as a church? Why are we doing this series? Obviously, we want to learn to fast, Lord, teach us to fast, but where are we going with this thing? Where are we headed as a church? Each week through this series, What we're going to do is there's going to be a message on fasting with a specific agenda that we see from Scripture. So we're going to use different stories in the Scriptures of of people engaging in fasting, crying out to God in prayer and fasting for specific agendas. And we're going to go through these, these specific agendas. So here are a couple examples for you. We're going to go through fasting for revival and spiritual awakening. We're going to go through fasting for health and healing and fasting to solve a problem, fasting for direction, fasting for protection, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to do a 24-hour fast each week that corresponds with that week's agenda, that week's topic, okay? Listen, you can do this alone or you can do this with your gospel community. I highly recommend doing it with your gospel community. That way There's like accountability and camaraderie and it's something you're doing together, experiencing God in unique ways together. Um, it's actually really great when you get to break your fast together in a celebratory way. And again, I recommend, if you're going to participate with this, which I hope every single one of you are, um, is to do the, the 24-hour sundown to sundown, right? So you don't eat dinner the first day, you fast all the way through, and then you break your fast by eating dinner the following day, okay? So we're going to do this each week with a, with a shared agenda that corresponds with something that we see in the scripture, something we see the people of God that have done in the past, okay? And then on November 1st, the, 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 the final week, the final Sunday, I should say, of this series, Teach Us To Fast, it's gonna culminate on a message where uh, regarding fasting for our nation, okay? Uh, instead of that week, instead of doing the, 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 the kind of 24-hour fast that we'll have done the weeks prior, we're gonna engage in an extended fast. So somewhere between three and even seven days, you get to choose. Okay, you can choose how long you want to go, but we're going to do an extended fast leading up to the election on November 3rd. Listen, um, I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not concerned about what's going to happen the day after the election. Not about who wins, not about who loses, but regardless of who loses or who wins, there is a lot of unrest in our nation right now. America is seemingly coming it's simmering and coming to a boil okay with so much turmoil going on I cannot think of a better more appropriate time to cry out to God with prayer and fasting okay remember foregoing food to feast on God so listen to me I want to invite you this might be new for you I want to invite you to press in okay this might be new Uncharted territory, fasting doesn't sound great. To skip meals doesn't sound like fun. It might be new, but listen to me. According to Jesus, it's essential because we are more than physical beings with a body. We are spiritual beings with a spirit. Okay, we're going to go into this more. But Paul talks about, he writes about in Ephesians that the enemy, the enemy is not flesh and blood. The enemy is the principalities and powers, the demonic forces. There are spiritual, thi- spiritual things happening around us, in us, in our nation, all the time, okay? What we do, how we engage as the people of God spiritually, listen to me, it matters. This is not the hour to be passive. This is not the hour to shrink back. This is the hour to spiritually battle, to press in. And I can't think of a more beneficial, powerful, profound way than through prayer and fasting. So, that's what I got for you. Now listen, I'm going to leave you today with this quote from John Piper. It gets me every time I'm to read it to you. Here it goes. Quote, The more deeply you walk with Christ, the hungrier you get for Christ. The more homesick you get for heaven. The more you want all the fullness of God. The more you want to be done with sin. The more you want the bridegroom to come again. The more you want the church revived and purified with the beauty of Jesus. The more you want a great awakening to God's reality in the cities. The more you want to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ penetrate the darkness of all the unreached people groups of the world. The more you want to see false worldviews yield to the force of truth. The more you want to see pain relieved and tears wiped away and death destroyed. The more you long for every wrong to be made right and the justice and grace of God to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there is no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God and it can be awakened. I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of food and the dangers of idolatry and to say with some simple fast, this much, O God, I want you. Let's pray. Father, those words, like they pierce me. They light me up in my heart. We're hungry for you. Our church is hungry for you. Our nation is hungry for you. Our city is hungry for you. Things are messed up. Things are broken. We desperately need your intervention. We desperately need you. We're crying out to you. We want more of you. You are what we're created for. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, would you teach us to fast? Would you teach us to, to be people who exercise this spiritual discipline in ways that help shape and, and shape our reality and help um, uh, like, I don't know, like usher in your kingdom. That's what we want. That's what we desire. We want to see your rule, your reign, your ways in us and all around us. Thank you for the gift of fasting. I ask you to inspire us, Holy Spirit. I can, I can really get the sense this is something you're inviting specifically our church into, to practice on a regular basis and really reap the rewards. Most importantly, being really, really close to you. So would you show us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? We love you and trust you, Lord. Amen. Friends, I'm really looking forward to this series Next week, we'll start with our kind of first agenda, our first example of fasting that we see in the scriptures. And we'll share in that agenda to fast together for 24 hours next week. If you want to start this week and want to fast for a personal agenda for one day or seven days, I would highly encourage you to do so. Hopefully this has been helpful. Listen, know that I love you and miss you. Uh, It is such a privilege to be part of this community. Uh, We'll talk to you soon, okay? God bless, grace, and peace to you.